Fine. Thank you. Got it. And a little book. A, p a path to victory. All it is is just uh, verse after verse on the path to victory. And, and this would actually be in the life of every believer. And, uh, it, you know, it starts off in this path. The first step is salvation. And so deals with a lot of salvation verses and then we go um, further in the journey of a successful uh, disciple and deals with a number of things um, obeying the Lord in baptism uh, joining uh, uh, joining up with a, a local church and then shows a lot of responsibilities in that um, proper behavior and just how to conduct your life and uh, your motives and and uh, companions and your lifestyle and uh, your body it's all being a new man so I hope it uh, is a blessing to uh, some anyway and it, it could have been a lot more detailed I didn't want to get bogged down like I said so Hopefully this will be a help to, to some, and if you want one of those, we'll be, we'll be printing those off and, and uh, get those in your hands. So she does have a few there already, so you can take them and look at them. And, you know, the nice thing is, is you can write in it, too, and get other verses, or you find some other things that you want um, put in there. You can write it in there yourself and add to it. So hopefully that will be a blessing and, and a help. So... Excited to finally get that going. <clears throat> so we're in Micah chapter 2, going to finish up uh, chapter 2 tonight. And um, we know that chapters 1, 2, and 3, Micah's actually separated into three sections. And so you have the prediction of judgment. That's uh, chapters 1, 2, and 3. And then chapters 4 and 5 is the prediction of the coming kingdom. And then... Uh, the last section is chapter 6 and chapter 7, the plea for repentance. And so we're still in the prediction of judgment that God is giving to Israel and to Judah. And uh, so just remember when, when I say that, especially when you're reading it in the prophets, if I'm talking about Israel, I'm talking about the ten northern tribes. And if I'm talking about Judah, it's Judah and Benjamin which were the two uh, southern tribes. And so uh, the uh, uh, northern tribes were actually uh, taken captive over 100 years earlier than uh, Judah was taken captive. And, and so some of these um, uh, uh, prophets were, some were dealing with uh, Israel, some were dealing with Judah, some were in between that time. And, and it is interesting to... Uh, study the history of that so you have more of an idea of uh, who they were uh, prophesying to, what, uh, what time they were doing so, and, and, and in their life and in the history and what else was going on during that time. So Micah was one that was um, a prophet to uh, Judah, and so he, he was um, also somewhat of a prophet to Israel. He did include them into some things. But he, Judah 
when you look at this, you, you see that, that Judah was, had prophets 100 years early telling them, you need to repent. I mean, that tells you how long God's mercy is. For over 100 years, he put up with that. And so anyone, um, anybody really quick with math, how old is our country? 240, 244, so 200, you know, so not even 250 years old yet, and God's mercy extended for well over 100 years in telling them, repent, 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 until finally he allowed them to be taken captive, and uh, so just never forget the mercy of God in to think about when, when he did pronounce judgment upon these nations, how, how patient, how compassionate God had been for so long before he ever did uh, bring judge, judgment upon them uh, during this time. And so, anyway, we saw him declare that judgment upon Samaria, Judah, causes a judgment, the uh, future restoration is what we're looking at tonight. So he has talked about uh, here in chapter 2, he started talking about their unclean minds and the things that they were thinking about and, and uh, uh, dealing with in, in uh, the first part of chapter 2. And then, then we saw God's response to that. And, and then in verses 7 through 11, we saw their hypocrisy. And now in verses 12 and 13, uh, we, we just need to praise the Lord for God's restoration of the remnant. And as we look at this and we think about what God is doing as he pronounces judgment, he's also encouraging them that judgment is coming, but there's also a time of restoration. And, and we should never forget the mercy that, that God shows. And, and it reminded me, too, and I, I just thought of this as I uh, was... was uh, uh, coming here tonight, but uh, it tells us over in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and, and talking to those of us who are believers, and it tells us that, um, that we are ambassadors, and, and it says that in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and, and it tells us in verse 17, therefore if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature, old things are passed away, behold all things are become new. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation, to wit that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. And, and so that, that is the ministry that all of us have been given. And, and uh, not just the pastors, not those that are just the, the ones that are full-time ministry, but that is the ministry that's given to every believer is the ministry of reconciliation and, and and when you look at that being and obviously first of all that reconciliation is with God and but you find out that that when you have that reconciliation and you've been reconciled with God 
it helps you to reconcile some of the other relationships that you have in your life too. And how important that is because in in our society today, we, we uh, even in the prayer requests that were given, we have marriage after marriage that says that they're irreconcilable. Well, that's only because of the flesh. Because God can reconcile it and, and give you a, a, an attitude of forgiveness and, and give you a love that that uh, has been missing in, in that marriage and, and families where the children have, have uh, separated from the parents. And, and God wants that to be reconciled because when you, when you look at our lives and you look at our families and you look at marriages, those, those marriages ought to represent the very relationship that, that we have with our Savior. And, uh, and, and how can you... How can you be right with God if you're in a marriage and you're not reconcil- reconciling your differences and reconciling the, the issues that you have and, and how important it is that, that you guard that and, and understand how, how good God is and how he wants those things to be reconciled. And, and when we have that reconciliation, we also have a wonderful peace. There, there, are, there are families today, and that's why our world is the way it is, that what we see in all the fighting that's going on in our in our in our country today is just really a representation of what's going on in our families, and, and our and our family unit has has truly been hurt and, and uh, has been deceived in, in uh, so many areas, and, and Satan is so subtle at doing that, and, and you know chasing after all these other things that truly do not matter, and and God has given us that given us a wonderful time to take and reflect and to get things right with him and and I and I thank God for how well he has taken care of our church family through all of this and how grateful we ought to be for that and and how it ought to have brought our marriages closer and our children and our families closer to one another and and so I pray that it has because that's what God is about he's about restoration and so when we get into this, let's give thought to this and what he's doing with Israel, but let's give even more thought to what he's doing in our lives and, and what is it that uh, he wants from us. And so he tells us in verses 12 and 13, I will surely assemble, O Jacob, all of thee. I will surely gather the remnant of Israel. I will put them together, the sheep of Basra, as a flock in the midst of their fold. They shall make great noise by reason of the multitude of men. The breaker has come up before them. They have broken up and have passed through the gate and are gone out by it, and their king shall pass before them and the Lord on the head of them. And so just two things uh, tonight that I want to take a few moments to look at. And and so now, if you remember, he he has just condemned them for their hypocrisy. And and he's condemned them because of the lightness of their attitude and, and the the, the prophets of the day that were just tickling their ears and, and how they had mistreated those that were innocent around them. And, uh, and, and I mean, and, and he said, you guys have polluted this country. And so because of that, it's going to destroy you with a, a sore destruction, as it says. And, and, and so then now he tells us that two things. First of all, we see three actions that he's going to to bring about in chapter 12, and then we're going to see three more actions that he says he's going to do in verse 13. And so in verse 12 it says, I will surely 
assemble. And so now he says, I'm going to bring you together. And then he, and, and he oh, Jacob, all of thee, I'm going to bring all of you together. And, and I will surely gather. And, and, and so now he's going to uh, gather them together. And then he says, and I will put them together as the sheep of Basra. And Basra was well known for all the sheep that they had, multitudes of sheep, and, and very wealthy in sheep. And, and as the flock in the midst of their fold, they shall make great noise by reason of the multitude of men, showing that, that you guys don't need to give up. And just because there's judgment coming, he's, he's still, in, in all of that judgment, still giving them opportunity to get right and to turn back to God and, and to do the things that, that they ought to do and, and then giving them a picture of, of a shepherd and the sheep. And this was something that they were very familiar with. They're, everyone there was very familiar with raising sheep and, and understanding the livelihood and understanding the responsibilities of the shepherd. And, and God many times over and over referred to him as a shepherd and, and his people as the sheep. Remember in, in Psalm 23 in verse 1, there, there uh, uh, David, one of the the, uh, I don't know, most well used, uh, I, uh, maybe you might call it famous passages, but what does he say in Psalm 23, 1? But he says, the Lord is my shepherd. And so we, we see the, the, how, how precious that is, and David knowing and, and pinning that and understanding more of the closeness of the shepherd with the sheep than, than maybe some others. But here we know that 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 God many times referred to that in Psalm 77, verse 20, Thou lettest thy people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. And, uh, I mean, there, there's just referrals all over in, in Psalm 78 and, and uh, verse 52, it says, But made his own people to go forth like sheep and guided them in the wilderness like a flock. Psalm 80 and verse 1 Give ear, O shepherd of Israel, thou that leadest Joseph like a flock, thou that dwellest between the cherubim, shine forth. In Psalm 100 and, and uh, uh, verse 3, we, we uh, uh, have, have read this many times. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. And then Isaiah, he talks about it. And Jeremiah, he he talks about it, and then if you remember, Jesus even makes the same statement in, in uh, John chapter 10, and there he tells us that, that he's the great shepherd, and uh, over in, in, in truly one of the, uh, I, I don't know, I just find this to be a very reassuring passage in, in John chapter 10, and he tells us in verse 11, I am the good shepherd, the good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. He that is a hireling and not the shepherd, whose own the sheep or not, seeth the wolf coming and leaveth the sheep and fleeth, and the wolf catcheth them and scattereth the sheep. The hiring fleeth because he's a hireling and careth not for the sheep. I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and have known of them. As the Father knoweth me, even so I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring and they shall hear my voice, and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. That verse talking about Gentiles and bringing them into it. And therefore doth my Father love me, because I lay down my life, that I might take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. 
I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. Well, then he goes on, and the Jews were, were, were still angry with him, and, and he tells them later, he says that, that you believe not because you're not of my sheep, as I said unto you. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. You know, one of the, we always need to, look, I, I know we're not to be, um, we're not to be judgmental uh, hypocritically. We're not, honestly, it's not good to be, to, to, to be judgmental. The scripture does a good enough job of, of that. However, the, the scripture shows us and tells us that if you are a sheep that's truly of the flock of Christ, then there are going to be signs that you are his. Does that make sense? I mean, you are going to represent your shepherd. And, and, and there, are, there are those that may say and have the profession, but is there a possession? Because here it says that I know them and they follow me. And, and, that's, a, and that's a present action. And, and you're going to be following as a disciple. You're going to be accompanying Jesus. And and if there is just no desire to, to do what Jesus wants you to do, what God's Word wants you to do, then where's your heart at and why is there a problem with that? And uh, evaluate what's going on in your life. And, and I can't tell you what your heart's doing, but uh, the Word does. And it says, And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. And, and so we, we uh, see the... Shepherd and the sheep is something that, that God used over and over and over. And, and it ought to encourage us as believers. That, yeah, there are times when, when we don't act like the sheep that we should. And praise the Lord that his mercy endureth forever. Praise the Lord that, that he is always willing to, to, to reach out when, when we open our hearts to him and, and we confess those things to him that he is the ultimate and perfect example of reconciliation. And so, and, and we, have the, we have the privilege of being able to go to him directly then and, and find that reconciliation because of who Christ is to us as our Savior and, and the one that, that has bridged that gap so that we can do so. And, and what, a, what a preciousness that is. And, and, and to remember that and, and hear... God was telling them, look, the judgment is coming upon you, but, but there is coming a day when I am going to, I am going to reassemble you and, and I'm going to gather you as the, the remnant of Israel. And the remnant of Israel is, uh, and, and we'll see when, when we talk about the remnant, most generally it's talking about those that are godly, those that were looking to God, trusting in Him and the work of that coming Messiah. And so it, were, it was the ones that were true believers and, and were looking to God. And that's the remnant of Israel. And, and I will put them together. And, and he promises that, that he is going to uh, do exactly that. And you know what I find out that's interesting too? In the three different sections of Micah, we have it here in chapter 2, verses 12 and 13. We have it in the first eight verses of chapter 4. And then we have it in the last part of, of chapter 7, verses 8 through 20. We see that those three different times he announces 
his regathering or restoration of Israel. In all of his judgment, we still see his mercy. And it's the same in our lives too. Yes, there are times when chastening comes upon our lives, but even in his chastening, he's showing mercy. Because otherwise, he would consume us in Lamentations 3, 22 and 23. And in there, Jeremiah writing that in, in God's anger, he could consume us. But he doesn't. And we know that his mercy endureth forever. And, and, and he's faithful. And, and, and we just thank God for that and, and how grateful we ought to be. And so here the example of the, the remnant, the the faithful, and, and he talks about them again over in chapter 7 and verse 18. Who is a God like unto thee that pardoneth iniquity and passeth by the transgression of the remnant of his heritage? He retaineth not his anger forever, but he delighteth in mercy. He will turn again. He will have compassion upon us. He will subdue our iniquities, and thou will cast all their sins into the depths of the sea. Thou wilt perform the truth to Jacob and the mercy to Abraham, which thou hast sworn unto our fathers from the day of old. And, and he goes on to, to tell us that over and over. In, in Isaiah chapter 46, verses 3 and 4, he tells us that. Jeremiah 23, 3. Jeremiah 31 and verse 7. Zephaniah 2, verses 7 and 9. Chapter 3 and verse 13. Zechariah chapter 8, verses 3 through 8 and verse 12. All of those, he talks about the the remnant and the faithful. And so we see that he says, I promise you that I'm going to bring you back together. But then he goes on, and now he tells us in verse 13, and, and remember in the context of this, he's telling them, you guys are going to be taken captive, but after you are taken captive, there's going to come a day when you're all going to be gathered up again, and, and I'm going to, to lead you like a shepherd leads a sheep. Then he says, the breaker has come up before them, and they have broken up. And, and so now it, it's kind of like a spillway, and, and they're up against the gate, and, and now all of a sudden that breaker has busted open, and everything is coming through the gate. And that's what he's telling them. I'm going to gather you up, and, and here we see three more actions that he's going to do. He said that you're, you're going to be broken up you, and have passed through the gate, and are gone out by it. Three different verbs of, of action, just like we saw in chapter 12. And, and so giving us another picture. And so they break through, and they break open, and they're going to, they're, they're going to pass through the gate, and they're going to go out by it, and, and they're going to be leaving that place that has held them captive, and they're going to be once again the nation that God has promised to restore. So think about it. They were taken captive by... Well, first of all, we know that um, uh, Israel was taken captive in, in uh, somewhere around 721 B.C. And so that's when they were taken captive. And then the Judah wasn't completely taken captive until they destroyed Jerusalem and, and uh, destroyed the temple. And that was in 586. And so whatever... However many years that is, I'm not going to calculate it right now. So 140-some years or close to 150 years or whatever. So, and, but, but in, in, and we know that, that uh, here 
he, he's, re, he's telling them that you are going to be taken captive, but you're also uh, you're going to be brought back. And we know that they were held captive. Judah was held captive for 70 years. And so, and, and, and something else that, that's interesting, as, as far as I can tell, and, and I'm just thinking off the top of my head right now, but when, when they came back, there wasn't any divided kingdoms anymore. And so now, after 70 years, and, and Israel being held captive for a whole lot longer than that, the remnant now that God brings back are those that are believers, and, and we see that he brings them back, and, and God blesses them. And so that's what we have. We have the picture. And, and for time, I don't, I don't want to cover this, uh, but for time, what you need to do is go back and read Ezra, Nehemiah, and, 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 well, Esther takes place uh, during some of that time, too. But Ezra and Nehemiah, we know, is the time that this is being referred to. And, and God was telling them 200 years before that, hey, it is going to be okay. Judgment is coming. But also there's going to be those that are the remnant, those that are believers, those that really look to me and they're going to be blessed and they're going to see the greatness of this nation once again. And, and we know that, that he does exactly that. And, and I, I, I just went back and I studied some of that and, and how powerful that was. And, and, and then you need to, to study and, and you'll see that when Zerubbabel went in and he was the first group that, that left the, uh, uh, up in Babylonia in that area and, and brought uh, 44,000 people with him. They were the first group that left captivity and busted through the gate and they were allowed to go back and Zerubbabel took that whole group and this is in the first six chapters or seven chapters of Ezra. You can go back and read it. But Zerubbabel brings them in and, and they are so excited and they start building the temple, rebuilding the temple and, and, and they're trying to get it done and then lo and behold, you know, it's just, it, it, it's just typical uh, that's around 538 B.C. when, when they do so. And, and then uh, we find that they don't even get the, the temple built till about 515. Because they go in and they start running into some problems with some of the other locals of the day and threatened lawsuits against them. And so guess what? They just quit building the temple and they went to building their own homes. And it's a, during that time that Habakkuk comes in, or Haggai, Haggai, and Haggai comes in, and one of the main themes of Haggai is consider your ways. You remember reading that? And, and you'll see that he's always saying, consider your ways, consider your ways. Well, now you understand, Haggai's down there, uh, the prophet to them, and he says, hey, you guys are living in your sealed houses, and, and you're living in all these fancy nice things, and and you've just walked away from the very reason that they ought to come. And, and, it, and it reminds us of how quick we are to forget what God's doing in our lives and get off into, into our own doings, and, and we forget all of what God's doing. And, and, and I say that because of what we've gone through over these last few months. God has given it to be a wonderful privilege to draw closer to Him. And, and now that things are starting to get back to normal, Let's make sure and consider our ways. And let's make sure that God is still 
where he needs to be in our lives. And as individuals, we need to make sure of that. And so Zerubbabel comes in and, and he doesn't get it done and, and, and it's not done yet. And then, then we know that, that it's a number of years later that um, the, we, we know that Ezra comes in. Ezra brings another group of people and he comes in with the sole purpose of uh, establishing uh, worship back. So they get to worshiping, and then they get the temple built, and so now they're worshiping God. And then the third wave comes in Nehemiah. Nehemiah is allowed to go, and, and Nehemiah comes back to Jerusalem, and they're worshiping God, and they're worshiping in the temple, but the walls around the city are still knocked down, and, and he knows that it wouldn't take any time for enemies to come in and knock it all back down. And so then Nehemiah comes in, and and rebuilds the wall. And now we have a, a wonderful time. And, and then it shows us that, that for, and, and by this time, we're down into the 400s. And then they, so we see it all smoothing out. And then for about 400 years, we hear of nothing. And at the end of Malachi, we, we don't hear any more until we see the Gospels and Jesus being introduced. And so think about how long enduring God's mercy is. And we should be oh so thankful for that because of the mercy that he's shown his nation is the same mercy that he shows to our nation. But there does come a time where God is going to bring some severe judgment, and he is. I just believe that. I believe there's some major judgment going on uh, in our country right now, and and unless we listen, that it could get a whole lot worse. And, and I'm not here telling you that it's the politicians that need to repent. I'm telling you that it's us repenting of those things in our lives and getting them right in our lives so that we can actually be the kind of church that God wants us to be. That, that's my prayer. I, I pray that, I, I, I probably pray that every day God let Platte Valley be the church that you want it to be and, and to use us how you want to use us. And, and the only way that we're truly going to see all of his power is when all of us as individuals truly get serious and say, God, it's whatever you want, and I want to do that. I want to be that. And, and as we go and we stumble and we trip up because we're looking the wrong way, there's God's mercy to reach down. And when we have that humble and contrite heart, he lifts us up and he carries us on and helps us to get to where we need to be. And so let's be that and let's learn from these guys and, and let's see how, 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 how wonderful the, the mercies of God uh, are, are upon our lives. And, you know, I think about those 70 years that they were in captivity. That would be a long time to be in captivity. And I would rather just not have to go through something like that, and I don't believe we'd have to, if we just make sure that we walk right with God. Every moment, every moment that we have, let's walk in the power of God. And let's use these guys as the example of what to do and, and uh, getting right and doing what we need to do and also using them as an example of what not to do and make sure we guard against that. Let's pray. Father, I thank you. Thank you for your word. 
Thank you for the study. And Lord, we just, we praise you, praise you and worship you because of your mercy. Lord, you are good to us. And Father, I thank you for that. I thank you that you help us through our weak moments and, and you're patient with us. And Lord, I thank you that you are holy and righteous. And Lord, we can always count on that and knowing that that's consistent. And Father, I pray that you help us to be what we need to be. I pray you bless our church family. I pray you be with those that were on the live stream that aren't able to be here. And I pray you encourage them and those that are that are not feeling well. And Lord, I thank you. We love you. We ask that you use us in your work. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Have a wonderful day.